Hello, welcome to the Culture Cave. I'm Anthony, and that's Conrad. Hello, <laughs> Conrad. I didn't want to trouble go over your toes there, but at the same time, maybe I, <laughs> we left it a little I long. Left a, I left a beat just to be sure. Like, you know I was what? like, you know what? Is as Anthony Godlet? You literally said to me before this started as well. We're gonna have, like, you know, it's a no nonsense introduction this week. We've got a lot to get through, yeah, yeah, and yeah. I'm still like, I'm gonna give him his space. I'm gonna <laughs> like, I'm not. I don't want to impinge on this, but uh, yeah, <laughs> it was. A beat, a beat too long there. A beat too long, but at the same time, you know what? Uh, I appreciate it, Conrad, and you know what? It's better a beat too long than a beat too little. Let's move into then Conrad's pre-thoughts. Hello! Welcome to another one of these pre-show videos where I uh, incorrectly predict what I think is going to happen in the next episode. I don't think I've got a single one of these right, although I will be honest, I'm not paying that much attention to them after we do the main episode with Anthony. So, um, what do I think is going to happen in uh, episode four? I don't know what it's called yet. I assume we've had the fog, the boy, the ship. So, I don't know. The man, maybe? Who knows? Um, I think we're going to get some more object-oriented programming stuff uh, that's thrown in there to, to fuel the fires of me thinking this is a simulation. Maybe we'll meet a new character and they'll be called... JavaScript or something, some something like that. Um, not seriously, semi-seriously, but not seriously. Um, Jerome and Oleg, double act. I'm still, I'm banking on that. That seems like a great, a great time to be had by all, and I'm looking forward to it. Um, and I think Mora and Ike, one of those two, you can pretty much set your watch to them being the stars of most episodes to some extent. Uh, they seem like the main characters insofar as this has uh, main characters. And I think one of them is going to see something in this episode that hints uh, even further at this being a simulation. So we shall see how close I get to being right or indeed how laughably wrong I am in a little while. And I shall see you then. Hey, you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You. Do you like 1899? Well, as well as these breakdown videos, we also do theories, unanswered questions and plenty more. Subscribe so you don't miss it. The episode opens with war. What is it good for? Conrad, what's it good for? Absolutely not. Yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I thought we were doing more of that. Um, yes, war. I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say this right now. It's not China. Get it this is not China. Open. This is not China. Did you say there was it a was war? a? I got absolutely hammered on the theory matrix in this episode. I was like, shit, I, this is not China, this is not the Boxer Rebellion, and even the intricacies, and Anthony's, I know he's going to do it, I know he's going to rake me over the coals in this episode of the podcast for it, he's criticised me before for putting too much detail in my theories, and... Didn't it come back to bite me in this in this episode? My uh, my theory about there being some kind of but I mean I guess there was a betrayal to yeah, be yeah, fair, yeah. but it's not the kind of betrayal I was imagining. Um, and like you know, me proposing Jerome as this like war hero when in fact they're both just deserters and <laughs> yeah. one, one betrayed the other. So yeah, a bad start, and it only get it only got worse from here as far as the theories were concerned. Yeah, that's true. And also, I will just for the record, I will I will say. I did say to you, maybe just put down that they used to be brothers in arms. No, like, <laughs> I can't, I can't do it. 
Right. Okay. Once the, once the theory's in there, it has to go on the. It has to go down. That's the rules. Yeah. I, um, also, there was a comment last week as well talking about um, potentially the theory matrix. We could have like sub theories within the main theory to try and oh. save you. No, no, no. Conrad hangs himself with these. Yeah. If he wants to do <laughs> yeah. so, he can do so. But I love the suggestion, and I love that people are thinking about the theory matrix. And it is a big, yeah, big it is. Part, that's, yeah. uh, that's flattering. But yeah, I mean, I like. I will. I will undo myself. With like, with absolutely no problems, without putting sub theories in there. Like, don't yeah. you worry about that. Yeah, um, yeah. He's, he's he's a master. I did he's like master this intro though. The intro is good. Um, so they have like the uh, the war. Um, I don't actually know what war this is. It seems to be in Africa. Um, I yeah, I assume it's North Africa, but I could I could easily be. I like maybe it's like Tunisia or something like that, or like Algeria, one of those French colonies in North Africa. Yeah. So I immediately started like you know googling 1890s uh you know f- french uh wars in africa but at the same t- that there was a, obviously there's a lot of countries in africa that french took over but i don't know which which one yeah. in particular this is um uh, so okay so anyway uh lucian as you mentioned before they're both sort of deserters although jerome i suppose is sort of he's fighting against it he doesn't really he doesn't really want to do it but lucian yeah. basically says i'll take this lieutenant's uniform we'll say that you saved me we'll go back we'll both be heroes uh in in, in france um so did you see yeah so you already alluded to this as a different backstory than you thought did you like this scene as an opener uh, i did i i really like the fake out of um the episode beginning with like gunfire which given the context of, of how the previous episode ended one might be forgiven for being like oh that's the mutiny that's going on and there certainly is gunfire related to the mutiny later in this episode mm-hmm. but it's a it's a nice little it's a nice little fake out because you think you're gonna get one thing and then suddenly it's like no no, no we're getting jerome and uh, lucian uh, first so yeah i really enjoyed that um i love pretty much everything about jerome in this episode to be honest it was a great episode for him as a character and lucian to a lesser extent actually you get a lot of both of them in this episode mm-hmm. um but yeah this is uh probably the most explicit kind of character backstory we've had thus far i guess like with ike you've kind of had oh I, lingi had a had, was fairly explicit actually in the last episode mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but ike is kind of like this mysterious burning of his family mora we don't really have any clue what's going on there um, but but Lingy and Jerome and Lucian are like the first characters to really be kind of coloured in, so to speak. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, I agree. I, I like this this introduction. I kind of like the the backstories in this show. Um, I think that these these creators. I know you didn't watch all of all of Lost. Who knows? At once some alternate universe will will go through that one day. But um, yeah. But I know like so these creators were big fans of Lost. Obviously, they they admit the issues that Lost had. We all know those. But they were big fans of it, and I think that having like the idea that they're in this sort of isolated place like lost there on the island and then also having these these flashback style uh backstories very very lost centric to me i I will say here conrad for me and this is not something i've talked about anywhere on the channel yet um now i know you're aware a little bit i suppose about the idea that this is filmed on a volume the volume being the technology that they use in the mandalorian the big led screens um using i think it's I think it's actually like an Unreal Engine they use or something. I don't know actually what the their engine is, but it's a video game engine anyway as what they use they, to be able to capture everything in camera. Now the reason they did this was because of COVID, and therefore they were able to have all the actors together, like you know, sort of um, quarantining together to make the make the show rather than the logistical nightmare that doing it during COVID times without that would have been. Mm. Here's my one my first big criticism of the show so far, and I'm, I'm going to say. I've watched the behind-the-scenes uh, featurette, which you'll you'll look forward to watching after you've finished uh, the series. They did everything they could to make the volume look good. The volume looks amazing. 
99% of the time and they choose the particular lighting situations for it to look good. In this war opening with the bright light coming through and they're in this trench, for me, this is the first part of the show where it looks a little budget to me. Um, I, okay. I don't think it looks terrible. I really don't think it looks terrible. I think they've done a great job and I understand the limitations they had, but this is the first, it's the only scene where I start sort of seeing, seeing the edges a little bit, you know what I mean? Okay, yeah, no, I mean... I wonder if that's partially because I like I'm not I'm not I wasn't necessarily looking mm-hmm. for that because well I guess actually that's that's kind of a feature of the of these creators shows is that the narrative and like the theming um, is like normally so complex mm-hmm. that I can, I can honestly like not notice a lot of the kind of technical aspects of it um, yeah. which probably helps with things like that because i've no doubt that yeah if i if i was looking for it or or, or like you know if i was was fully aware that it was filmed in a volume i'd be like oh yeah you can see it there Mm -hmm. um but um yeah i didn't notice it but i'm i I imagine you're not alone in having that opinion yeah like i think they did a good job of hiding it but because yeah i'm watching it with a certain lens aren't i because i i've been theorizing about the show for two years i know it's filmed in a volume and therefore whenever i see this i'm like oh okay Fair enough. Um, <laughs> yeah, there it is. I'll also say, you know, like at the start of the show, there was like shots of like you know that big black pyramid in the start of the start of episode one, and yeah. and like it was in sort of like a snowy tundra-y quite, quite uh, style place, and then they've also got like this shot, these shots in uh, like you know the deserts or whatever. One mm. of my biggest, just before we move on, the listeners will like to hear this. I think one of my biggest regrets is that when I was watching Andreas Peachman have a um, have an interview, and he said about the volume, he said. Um, you know, it's amazing. Like, you know, we're able to be anywhere in the world instantaneously. Like, you know, we don't have to go to whatever he said, like the North Pole or the Arctic. We don't have to go to the desert. You know, we we don't have yeah. to go to sea. We can just do this. And in my head, I straight away thought, oh, why is he mentioning those places? They must be going there in the show. And then I just, yeah, yeah. and then the thought left my mind. And then whenever I watched the show, I was like, oh my god, he just told us in the interview. He just told us, yeah. you know, yeah. I just Peachman, you shouldn't have told everyone we were going to space, okay? Like, that's completely <laughs> ruined the show. Yeah. Well, he didn't say that. Um, okay. <laughs> yeah, let's, let's keep our feet on the ground here. So, um, <laughs> Jerome... Jerome wakes up in the brig, uh, getting hit by yep. after getting hit by Lucian and Lucian in the flag, flashback. L- a lot of people get hit in the head with guns and are fine in this show, and I know that's like a trope of, of even in know, dark all... that happened, yeah, yeah. And but it's I'm always just like that would probably kill you doing that. Like that's a heavy thing yeah, to be yeah. hit in the head by. People can get killed by getting punched. Imagine getting hit by the big metal gun. Like, um, yeah. okay, yeah. So Jerome wakes up. He's uh, ready to punch everyone. He's in the um, where is this? Where is this? He's in. Oh yes, yes, he's in. In the brig. He's in the brig with all the people. Franz comes in, uh, takes yeah. Olek and Jerome, uh, and leaves Ike in there with um, with Ramiro. Ramiro, I want to say as well, like the, I know we don't get much of them, but when Ramiro, Ike, Jerome, and Olek are in the brig together, I was like, this is the dream team, really, <laughs> isn't it? <laughs> like this is this is. <laughs> You've got Messi and you've got Cristiano Ronaldo on the same team at long last. In their, <laughs> like, in their prime. In their prime. Yeah, in their prime here. Uh, and then, obviously, you know, the, the 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 flame that burns twice as bright burns half as long. We lose it immediately, <laughs> and that's a real shame. But, um, yeah, it's... it's um, I, I do love the divisions that are drawn on it, 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 between, like, the mutineers or not... Uh, 
No, I suppose they are all mutineers. I was going to say, are the Norwegians and Danish people technically mutineers because they're like passengers? But I think I'd probably call them call them mutineers. Mm-hmm. Um, but but between the like the social divisions on the on the ship and between like the moral divisions as well, um, and these these four here all seem like, with maybe the exception exception of Ramiro, or because he has killed a priest, maybe Ike as well. Actually, we don't know that much about Ike. And actually, having said that, we know literally nothing about Oleg. So maybe mm-hmm. they're all terrible. I was going to say these these seem like the good guys, but we don't actually know <laughs> at all. Well, yeah, um, it's funny you say that. Actually, that reminds me. Sorry, I cut you off midstream. One thing you've never mentioned, and I don't know. Sometimes I, for the new listeners, sometimes I like to prod Conrad to get a theory because. <laughs> yeah. So one thing you've never mentioned talking about Ike being the bad guy, right? Um, yeah. In the photo of him and his family, they're all wearing white, but he's wearing black, right? So I don't yeah, know. Where... He likes he he does like black. <laughs> yeah, he yeah, likes yeah. wearing black. Yeah. I feel like there's a vis- there may be a visual metaphor going on with <laughs> Ike's uh, Ike's costuming, but um, I'm not prepared. Well, again, again, I'm tr- I'm trying not to do this as much as possible because I want 1899 to be discussed and to stand on its own. But going on dark, Andreas Peachman's character is a complex character and I expect that to be the same here I don't think they really they, they very rarely deal with char- dealing like absolutes when it comes to the morality of their characters and I expect that to be true of everyone Ike uh, included yeah yeah no I agree yeah, like we've already seen that with Lucian really haven't we because Lucian is yeah. came across as a real bastard in the first few episodes and now we, they're starting to colour in the edges a little bit now yeah starting- exactly like they, they kind of I like and he goes back and forth just within this episode. There are moments where I was like, uh, you know, okay, like he's sympathetic, even if I don't agree with him. And then there was moments where I was like, all right, okay, back on the back on the bastard train, Lucian goes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, one uh, thing I will point out just before we move on from this scene is, and it may be nothing. I may be I may be kind of jumping at shadows a little bit here, but I thought it was interesting that Conor McGregor isn't here despite ostensibly also being taken prisoner we do see him later mm. kind of under armed guard but i wonder why these four were the ones that they took to the brig yeah and the others were left the out. first mate uh, conor mcgregor wasn't put in the brig with the captain he was left with like the rest of the sort of lower level crew that's interesting actually yeah, yeah i didn't even think about that um Okay, so uh, pile of bodies. That's where Oleg and Jerome are taken. Yeah, that's a lot of dead people. A lot of dead people. You like, finally actually get. You finally get your Oleg and Jerome team up again, and they and oh, the, their yeah. job is to throw bodies over the over the thing. So, are we to assume that Daniel's been busy here? I. I mean, I think it is Daniel. And yeah, I guess he has. I guess he's just <laughs> he, he's been he's been beavering away below deck. <laughs> Just murdering people, deploying his beetle, deploying his beetle, bringing him back, deploying his beetle, his his bug to break into people's rooms, murdering them, and then going on his merry business. What's I suppose? What's a fisherman to do but catch fish? That's what he does. Exactly. Yeah. He's uh, so anyway. We'll catch up with them throwing bodies over later. Uh, The episode's called the fight, Um, and this was actually this this episode was very centered around one thing which other episodes haven't been so far this was very much centered around the disagreement the idea of finding the boy the idea of this uh, big schism within the within the, within the, the passengers um and mm. it's called the fight for that reason i believe yeah yes i i mean i think there's like you see the word the fight or the, or the, the phrase the fight you can interpret lots of like kind of uh, subtext from that but i do i do think it's meant pretty explicitly as far as this episode is concerned because there is obviously a big fight at the end of it a real big fight um okay so more on the boy she locks him in leaves him yep. there that will be um i suppose a uh 
We'll come back to that later because it, it sort of confirms that there's a, there is a hatch in Mora's room as well, and and also yeah. the idea that like he's being locked away because everyone's looking for him as well. I did. Um, I, I wrote down a theory, and it's actually in a couple of scenes' time that I wrote it down, but I might as well mention it now. Um, I, I wrote this down when the um, the the below decks folk who are engaging in the mutiny um, started saying, "We need to go get the boy," and I was mm-hmm. like, "They're not going to get the boy. He's going to disappear into that shaft." And I was like, <laughs> <laughs> "Yeah, well, you know, behold, dead on, dead on." Uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, okay, so the Prometheus is gone. It's funny that, that that's the way they because mm. we we saw the Kerberos disappear. And then the Prometheus was gone. Um, I'm going to come clean here. When I first watched the show, little shout out to my eventual videos where Ima and I gave our thoughts. Um, I was sort of on a similar track to you. Not exactly. You've got all. You sort of have a bit more knowledge in terms of ICT and stuff, which led you down a different path than potentially me. But I, yeah. I'm going to tell you this right now. When I first watched this episode four, I assumed that everything was going to be like reset or something. Um, mm. Having having seen the Kerberos disappear and Daniel, like you know. Be, buttoning away with this little little uh little device i thought like yeah. we, we were gonna start start afresh you know um which didn't happen actually so we we are back on course uh where they were before or like they, they think yeah. they were um and then they decide well you know whatever we need to go west uh so they start the engine up full throttle um and they're gonna they're gonna continue on so a few thoughts one what do you think about the fact that they're completely different direct different location still on back on the course and two uh, what do you think about the idea? Yeah, well, what do you think about the idea that it's been reset to where they were three days ago? Yeah, so I, I haven't like a full disclosure. I haven't watched this episode in a couple of days now, so because um, so it's not completely fresh in my mind. But at the end of the the end of the last episode, we discussed that it was the Kerberos and not the Prometheus that disappeared in the big wide shot, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, yes. Yeah, it was. It was because it was the, it was the one that was lit up that disappeared. Yeah, Which so was it was the Kerberos that disappeared. So I'd kind of said at that point, I think that they that they've kind of uh, that Daniel doing his his uh, stuff with the you know controller device has like basically started the Prometheus's own instance and and like kicked the Kerberos out of it or something like that. I still think that's true, although that's not exactly that doesn't exactly line up with my knowledge of how like instantiating classes works. And I'd like to go not to go too deep into the the programming stuff again for this video, but um, I think they've definitely been reset. So I will. <laughs> I will, having said, I'm not going to do it. I'm now going to talk about something. <laughs> so when like it, when you're when you're programming, there are things called like breakpoints that you can like basically like recurse back to. So you can be like, okay, I'm going to hit this bit, and then I want to see where you go, but I can bring it back to this bit if I want to. Mm-hmm. And I wonder if um, what uh, Daniel did at the end of the last episode was returning the Kerberos to a breakpoint to say no this is where you need to be and it, that's manifested as the ship and all the people aboard it being sent back to their coordinates mm-hmm. at the start of the second episode I guess it would be um, okay. bef- before they went on this little the little foray into the Atlantic to find the Prometheus. Yeah so like I think basically in layman's terms uh, like, a, like, a, like a video game checkpoint like a Crash Bandicoot yeah kind check- of like that yeah, yeah like exactly like that like you know you're, you're loading a lot loading a save basically yeah okay cool um, that, that makes sense to me uh, I will say um, that having done some thinking over the last few days uh, based on what you said about this whole IT um, computer science situation um, I realized something which actually kind of supports your theory um so Ooh. I'm not going to tell you what happens the rest of the series because you know that's not important. But I was thinking to myself, 
one big question that I would always have, right, about like this, this is like, why would these creators know so much about computer science? And, That's a good point. And then I realized, do you remember that film that we reviewed a while ago? Yeah, yeah. I was going to say, they made a film about hacking. Yeah, they made a film about hacking. So they, they made a film called Who Am I? And these creators are really thorough. And therefore, I could imagine that they have these ideas in the bottom of a drawer, you know, yeah. thinking, oh, we'll use that in a project one day. You know, break glass, break glass in case of emergency. Yeah. And it's just like a picture of Neo from the Matrix and a bunch of notes written underneath it. That's what they did, yeah. and the end, the end result was eighteen ninety nine. I think. Yeah, yeah, that's crazy. Um, that is crazy to me. Um, but but I, but that lined up in my head. I was like, oh my god, Conrad's on to something here. So um, oh. so lower class uh, people question the crew. This is what you mentioned before, Sebastian Conor, yeah. Conor McGregor. He is. Um, He's with them. He's there. He tells them about it's, the sink ship uh, telegram. Yeah, so he kind of comes clean with them. Yeah. Um, I, I still suspect him of being slightly more complicit in the, the level of the me- the, me- the meta story. Yeah, exactly. Like the thing that Daniel is also seemingly aware of than he's uh, letting on because he can read triangles, mm-hmm. which isn't a language as far as I'm aware. Um <laughs> I also find it quite interesting here that Tova is talking about characters being kind of like shaded in and we've spoken before about like the efficiency of storytelling and characterization in these shows and I think this is a really great example of that because she goes from a character who was like very very like gung-ho about taking back the control of the ship um, and to a character who seems very reluctant to like implicate a young boy in the murders um mm-hmm. that uh that are taking place on the ship which is just like an interesting kind of little like moral wrinkle to her character yeah yeah that's really cool um i think actually in this episode we see that tova is a little bit yeah she's 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 not as sort of religious religiously sort of aligned as the other ones would be you know what i mean um so that that is interesting to me i I wasn't expecting that to be honest with you based on all the the trailers and stuff that i saw Mm. i didn't expect tova to be the one that that was sort of uh, sort of straying from the family i suppose so so early on um but yeah yeah so very very interesting uh and then ivan uh puts hand on tova's belly and says uh, i won't stand by and let satan win uh so there was also the- I'm not a fan of this woman. <laughs> I'm gonna say it right now. Yeah, Matt, I, I know it might be controversial, but I'm not a fan. Yeah, Mads Mickelson, Jesus Christ. But um, <laughs> okay, so Mora is doing some sneaking. We'll come back to that. Ramiro yep. helps free Ike. Uh, Un- unbelievably powerful kicks from Ramiro <laughs> there. Like Ike struggling away with this pipe, and Ramiro's just like, "I've got this one." Yeah, just, we know. We know how he killed the priest. That's, that's yeah. That's, kicked. Um, look, yeah, we're looking for a suspect. With thighs the size of tree trunks <laughs> yeah, yeah. for kicking a priest to death all, in Porto. <laughs> yeah, all that kneeling in church did it. Um, yeah, that'll do it. Yeah. So uh, okay. So interestingly, I, I I thought it was interesting that the first body thrown overboard was Ava. Oh, I've done it! Yeah. I've done it! It's Ada. I've done it! I've done! I've done what Conrad oh, did. Oh, there you go. How did yep. I? How did I do that? Uh, I don't know. Sorry. I'm still waiting to see. I wrote Cresta every single time in my notes in this episode, but we'll see. We'll see how that goes as we as the episode goes on. Yeah, yeah. Maybe there'll be another one I can correct you on. Um, <laughs> so uh, Ada is the first one thrown overboard. Um, so that was just interesting to note. But then there was also a little bit of chat about um, what, what do you think? Uh, how, do you think that they died on the Prometheus like this? So sort of Jerome and uh, and and. And Olek uh, talking about sort of the Prometheus at this point. Anything you noted about it's, this scene? It, 
I mean, it certainly stands to reason um, because Mora and Ike didn't seem to find any fragments of bone or teeth in the coal um, coal ovens uh, when they were when they were searching the, uh, the Prometheus. So, you know, where did the bodies go? Um, it, it, this this seems like our best guess mm-hmm. at the moment. Um, uh, but I, I'm very open to that being completely disproven in the, in the next <laughs> the next episode, as is often the case with these shows. Oh, yeah, that's brilliant. Uh, so, but Jerome also, uh, there's another little thing in this here. Jerome sees his former lieutenant, um, you know, yes. in, as one of the bodies and gets a little fright. Um, what, I'm, yeah. what I've sort of come in my notes come to start start calling a, a flashback attack. That's what I've been started yeah, calling these. That's what it, yeah, that's what it is. It's like a, it's 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 like a little kind of jump scary kind of thing yeah. that's um, that's also you know uh, just designed to to perk up the audience yeah, by yeah. by virtue of a sudden pace change. And actually, I mean, Jerome deals with it pretty well. He deals with a lot of stuff pretty well in this episode. I yeah, have to yeah. say, yeah, Jerome Jerome's an awesome guy. Um, I think. It, I, what do you actually do we ever get any theories about from you about like the idea of him being a stowaway um no not really i mean i've got some mm, i've got one about him in this in this episode but i mean it's not not explicitly to do with his being a stowaway but more to do with uh what happened to him after the events of that are depicted in the flashbacks conclude and mm-hmm. him him stowing away but yeah, I mean, I suppose it just stands to reason that he's a criminal, really. Like he's a wanted, he's a wanted criminal who escaped prison, uh, presumably, and came after Lucian. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. Because in the first episode, we never, you never actually put together that he was a stowaway. I don't think, but he was like, remember, he, remember he came out of the coal. That's one of those things where I was like, uh, I'll probably come back to haunt me. I was like, well, he's obviously a stowaway. I didn't write it down. Yeah, and then yeah, yeah. I, I, I might come to need those points like, like later. <laughs> yeah, well, you never said it. The... You never said it. Um, no, I didn't say it. I can't. I, I've not got a leg to stand on. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, okay, so next up, we have the scene with Clements and uh, Lucian. And let me just tell mm-hmm. you, I think this is the one where we're sort of starting to see a bit more from Lucian. Clements is actually mm-hmm. a, just a a little bit passive in this in this scene um mm. sort of uh lucian's just like t- putting it all out there like talking about the potassium bromide which i think yep. actually was now i maybe i'm just confusing clear liquids but i think that was actually used to, to treat like P- ptsd back in the day at least if babylon berlin is anything to go by that's a character <laughs> uses in that um lucian says life is pain um he only has a few weeks to live we get the we get that knowledge that he's actually sort of yeah, seems so to be dying. terminal yeah um <clears throat> And he says, and then when she says, "Why didn't you tell me this?" He says, "Well, I know you don't care if I live or die." And to that, she doesn't. She doesn't like say, "What are you talking about?" Like she actually just accepts that. Interestingly, um, yeah. And then actually, you keep you. We'll talk about that now, and then we'll talk about how the scene ends at the end. Yeah. Well, like uh, Clemence is like an interesting. I, I'm, I keep pronouncing it Clemence. I, I didn't actually listen to see if that's how they pronounce the name. I've just kind of judging it up a little bit because it's French. I think so. it is Clemence, um, <clears throat> and that is a pronunciation that I'm happy with. Uh, we are gonna keep say, we are gonna keep saying Angel. If, if, if I'm just you know I'll not say any more on it, but if, if someone doesn't understand why we don't want to say Angel, uh, then I don't know what I can do for you there. Um, <laughs> and, and maybe it's maybe it's maybe it's just that you know I don't know I don't know I don't know I don't know. I, I I just don't feel comfortable saying pronouncing it like that. You know I don't say Barcelona. You know I, I I'm not I'm not comfortable saying Barcelona. So I say Barcelona. You know we're giving you we're giving the Angel. Take it for what it's worth. It could be angel. If, could be angel. If they travel to <laughs> Munich in this, we'll call it München. Okay, that's the that's the compromise we'll make. We'll 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 get some pronunciations correct. Um, 
but yeah, no, I, I think um, she's interesting in this episode, uh, Clemence, because she's kind of, she's like, it's hard to get a read on her exactly because obviously, like her and Lucian aren't happy in their relationship. That much is clear from the moment, the intercharacter moments we've seen between them. But I think there's also. I, I, I wasn't fully on board with the kind of unrequited lust and l- like passion that her and Jerome showed for each other in this episode. That felt a little unearned to me because it just kind of came out of nowhere. Now, it could be the case that maybe they actually do know each other uh, from before um, this meeting aboard the, aboard the Kerberos, in which case, you know, you can just disregard that. But certainly with the knowledge I have of this show at the moment, I was like, okay, that's a bit odd. Um and it, I think it really stood out to me because she is so neutral in this scene. It's like, okay, you're dying. Well, fine then. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And really, really, the passion only comes out when when he when he finds the medal and uh, and gets from. violent with her. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So he gets violent with her, pushes her up against the um, the uh, the wall. Um, that was actually one of my early theories be, being uh, come come to uh, sort of be correct because I. I don't know why I, I, I predicted that there would be a, an aspect in, in some way of domestic violence in this relationship before, and then the trailer came out and there was that part of him pushing her up against the wall and I was like, ching ching. Mm. Um, <laughs> first time I've ever celebrated domestic violence, I'll have you know. Um, uh, but yeah, so... Hopefully the last. Ho- yeah, well, no, it will be the last. <laughs> unless my theory, another theory comes true. But um, but yeah, so we'll, we'll watch this relationship. I know what you mean about the Jerome and Clements thing. So let me say that, say something about that. Um... So in the first, I found in the first scene where, where remember they met on the outside sort of deck, um, and mm. like they had the real moment where they were looking in. What's your name, Clemence? What's your name, Jerome? And they, and I think she said, "Do I know you?" And I've seen you somewhere before. Um, I think there's a couple. Remember we talked about there was a couple of instances of people saying that. I yeah. I felt real chemistry between the two actors in that in that, mm. and maybe it's just the chemistry. But so therefore, I suppose when this happened uh, in this episode, I didn't feel this was it was out of nowhere. I sort of felt that there was an innate chemistry between the two. Um, whether that will lead anywhere, I don't know. If this episode is anything to go by, they seem to be doing something with the characters. Um, but, yeah. But I don't know if you felt that. Maybe you didn't feel that. That's why. No, I I think there's there was definitely chemistry between them earlier on. I think it just felt like there was like maybe a scene missing of them mm. establishing a, a relationship. Um, or, but I mean, you know, they're two lost souls at sea clinging to each other in the storm, I guess. So, you know, maybe maybe that's the that's the nature of the relationship. Lovely. Love it, Conrad. Um, okay, maybe you can get a job right <laughs> for season two. Uh, okay, yeah. so... Uh, get in touch. <laughs> get, get, get in touch, Baron. So, um, Mora wants to see the captain. She wants to see yes. the captain. Uh, she says to Franz that he's just a boy playing with power um mm. so uh friends i'm liking friends so far having said that like a big like murderous mutiny going after a young child mm, not quite sure but that's like the first thing that he's done which i think is questionable um yeah what are you what are you thinking about like so Mora's looking for the captain why did he knows that ike and mora were really close what why isn't he questioning her more like what yeah i mean franz is an interesting character because he's a l- He's pro- he seems loyal, mm-hmm. but he's also the one who's like betrayed, like or the only one who's really committed a, 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 a significant betrayal in this. Yet he seems like kind of loyal to the concept of the journey that they're undertaking, mm-hmm. like at the at the expense of everything else. So he's an interesting character. Mora is a character actually that I <clears throat> I, I struggle to fully understand because in this scene she she basically says to Franz and the uh, the crew um on the on the bridge 
that they're making a mistake, but she doesn't really elaborate on what that mistake is or what she thinks it is. Um, and I honestly don't fully grasp what it is, what mistake it is she thinks they're making. Obviously, I think she can probably sense that the boy is going to be scapegoated for um, the events that are taking place on the ship. Although, having said that, no, no, she does know they're dying because she she saw a, um, Ava, Ada, Ada, Ada. Ada's yeah, um, Ada's body. So maybe that's where where she's coming from. It's just her kind of maternal instinct to protect uh, the boy. But it feels like there's more that she's aware of that we, the audience, maybe aren't fully clued in on yet. Yeah, well, she definitely is. Like, we don't know who her brother is. She talked about she's like going to try and find her brother. You know, she yeah. talked. She talked about uh, you know. Um, I believe she mentioned her father as well. So, like, there's there's a lot of going on with Mora that we don't really yeah. know, um, and therefore, you know, you're right. Like, we are sort of with her in this in the in the sense of there is stuff going on which I don't think she knows, but definitely she knows more than we know. Um, okay, so just going to mention it because I mentioned everything. You know, what I do guys. Ike take takes a great off. He comes as if to yep. suggest he's out of the brig now and he's going to climb and get back into the ship. Yeah, him and Romero are are out of here yeah yeah they're out of here so your simulation theory has got me it's it's infected my brain to the point where when i'm watching the show now i'm picking up some some funny uh, ideas oh, so nice. whenever um whenever the next scene where anchor is looking at his bible and and he's he's basically he's the one who's leading the prayers for the danish folk right he's the one who's leading the prayers so it's really interesting to me that he's only now seems to be gaining faith so yeah, he, he he's the one leading the prayers, but he's only starting gaining faith. So, I before we get into the serious conversation, I wrote down uh, Anchor is beginning to believe, which really, <laughs> which reminded me of the Matrix. Um, so uh, imagine like you know just someone sitting at the computers going, he's beginning to believe. Um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he's doing his Superman thing it's just anchor <laughs> across the Atlantic Ocean. Uh, that would be amazing. <laughs> so okay, so. Um, but maybe, maybe that God gave uh, Tova a gift in, in the in the ba- with the baby. Tova doesn't. Hmm. Anytime someone mentions that this baby is like God's gift or whatever, right? Tova f- seems very not okay with that idea, but doesn't voice yes. it. Yes. So there's a theory I have that might be a million miles off that I'll probably talk about um, a little bit later because I think it kind of. It's solidified in a later scene, but I will say in this scene, so Anchor is grieving the loss of his daughter and and believes God speaks to his wife. That's fair enough, you know, whatever. <laughs> like yeah, those yeah. are normal things to do. I'm not sure if God is speaking to his wife, but that's fine. You know, you can believe that if you want. Um, but the way he's performed, he fe- he feels like a desperate person being manipulated to me, and I do agree with you that I think he strikes me as a person who has lost his faith, and possibly because of something traumatic happening to him or his family and has clung to his wife's fanaticism as any kind of like vestige of of religious belief that he, he that he can cling to because he needs to uh you know feel like there's a a, a a sense of greater meaning in life to understand something that's happened to him yeah, yeah. um and tova seems much more cynical about the entire thing um but she also she she also seems i don't know what her relationship with him is like because 
there are things about this baby. Well, I'm not, we're not going to go into it now because it, like, it'll come up again a bit later. But I have some thoughts about the source of this baby um, okay. that um, that I'll maybe go into in a few scenes' time. That's all I'll say for now. Okay, okay. Theories are cooking. Um, next up, we get uh, the gathering outside of Moore's room, which is basically yeah. Sebastian and Ivan. They want the boy. Sebastian comes out and goes, I'm on your side. I'm on your side. I want the boy too. Um, they demand that they open the door. The door is opened. The boy is gone. Um, look at that yeah yeah ding 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 conrad gets it 10 minutes later (laughs) um so they lock mora in and then uh mora hears knocking from under the bed (laughs) yes well before that happens uh conor mcgregor and mora exchange a knowing glance empathy i can't speak emphasized by uh the camera panning to the bed and then back to conor mcgregor's face before he leaves the room oh as if he knows something he knows that there's a shaft under that bed you know, that camera move was not an accident. Maybe that's what the triangle y- said. Y- well, yeah, maybe that's true. Maybe they said check every bed. Right? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, especially the ones with triangle um, trap doors underneath. Yeah, if you find one with a triangle under it, that's your that's your guy. Um, so yeah, I, I I'm just more and more convinced that he is very much aware of what this ship is and what is happening aboard it. Okay. Okay. Awesome. Let's have a little bit of levity now, Conrad. Um, oh, now it's like a breath of fresh air when these two turn up. It really is. <laughs> it's it's funny. You know, you know what I find hilarious is that on on the subreddit at eighteen ninety nine, uh, not long ago, someone posted like a picture of these two and says oh, these are the funniest part of the show for me. I'm like they're the yeah. only part of the yeah, show. Yeah, they're the com- and- They're <laughs> literally the only comedy. Like yeah. this is this is a comedy reprieve. Like, what else two, are we supposed to be laughing meaningless at? Meaningless characters talk about werewolves and vampires yeah, yeah. for like thirty seconds, and then and then and then we're back into the action. It's a palate cleanser. Like the, like the comedy garlic around around the neck. Like unbelievable, unbelievable. Yeah, what the hell there's like someone saying it's my favorite like my the funny what else are we supposed to be laughing at just like every time yeah. the beetle is on the ground we're just laughing at it i don't know yeah anyway <laughs> yeah I anytime daniel murders a child it's like what a character yeah yeah i have to i have to keep telling myself i, I try not to judge people based on small things like that but but i have to like every time i'm like on reddit or something like or even like some youtube comments and stuff you know, not our YouTube comments, of course. All our YouTube commenters are fantastic, but I always have to tell myself this could be a thirteen-year-old child making this comment. This could, you know, yeah. like we always have to, you always have to remember that. Don't get into arguments with thirteen-year-old children on the internet. That's sort of yeah. the way where I live. you won't benefit from. It. I do enough of that at work, you know. Um, <laughs> so, um, Daniel. Uh, oh yeah, while the, while we're down there, like talking about the garlic, Daniel sneaks into the Kerberos's uh, um, yes. engine room and goes over to where the Kerberos also has one of these uh, sort of you talk, you called it like a circuit boardy rudimentary circuit board machine. Yeah, so it's like I mean it's ostensibly a device for measuring steam pressure. I think we can all agree that's definitely not what that is, um, <laughs> as far as I'm aware. They don't, devices that measure steam pressure don't make ships disappear. I think that's. I don't think that's an unreasonable. It take depends how high that. the steam pressure is. <laughs> well, that is true. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. If it gets high enough, they'll disappear very quickly and very violently. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah. So, uh, like, well, okay. So first things first. Um, we've seen it before in dark, and we see it again here. I love the production design of things like this. They have such a skill. Mm-hmm. Yep. I presume it's the same people who designed the time machines in dark. Such mm-hmm. a skill for des- for designing kind of things that have a certain i don't want to call it steampunk but there's like a 
there's a kind of antiquated quality to a lot of it where it's like yeah. this is this uh, this features incredibly futuristic technology but it's also using lots of cogs and sliding brass parts and all that kind it, of it stuff. really is kind of steam I, I would say maybe it, it is kind of steampunk it, it, it yeah. evokes steampunk you know it evokes yeah. steampunk um, uh, but yeah, so I love it. I love the production design of that. I also I love his little connect, his little um, controller that he like switches around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it looks it looks like someone has stuck a Connect Four that they've painted grey <laughs> onto the back plate of a Nokia N gauge. Like it's just like it's just it looks so ridiculous. I, I mean I love it. It's great. But um yeah, I mean if you look at like the side parts that you can see that look like a circuit board, mm-hmm. uh, I mean it hints as if we needed the hint at a level of technology that far surpasses even present day um so i don't know what's going on there <laughs> it's my it's a short answer like that's not 1970s watching this stuff on a monitor kind of technology that's maybe we could make something that looks like that in 2022 kind of technology so yeah well actually I'll, I'll, let's drive into this then because you've got a simulation theory right so when yeah. you ask questions like that, it makes me not really understand what your overall theory is, because surely you could just explain that away by saying this technology just exists within the simulation. Yes, that's true. You could. But I feel like that would be quite a... While that would be a functional excuse, I feel like that would be a missed opportunity. And I mm. don't think like these two writers don't tend to put things in loosely you know if they're showing something in this whether it be a simulation or not and it's one of the reasons why if it is a simulation i don't really mind because i feel like everything that's happening is still filling in the blanks of a world that we're not even seeing at the moment um so something like this i mean like honestly when i saw that i was like okay so if this is all a simulation and this is a little glimpse into the kind of technology whatever civilization um, has the technology to run that that uh, simulation has mm-hmm. then are we going to step up a level and be like oh they all wake up and it's like the year 2220 and like everyone's wearing like silver suits and they're living on a base on the moon like uh, is, is that the kind of thing that we're going to do and I, I honestly don't know at the moment but I feel like they're putting these kind of things in as a hint at what kind of level of technology we're dealing with in in the world beyond the simulation okay yeah i get you because even like the idea of like a 1970s like how how could they visualize what this technology would be yeah like i think i think i think i understand what you what what you're putting down there um okay so the body dumping is going really well so um olic and jerome uh, you know they're flying through these bodies but they have an idea Jerome has an idea to get, you know, to escape and go lower deck. Uh, sort of leaving yes. Olic in, you know, <laughs> leaving Olic in, in the shit there. Yeah, he kind of throws him a hospital pass. It was like, Olic, you deal with these guys. I'm yeah. off. Yeah, yeah, I'm off. Yeah, yeah. I've got a note from my mom. I've got a dentist appointment. But it takes months to get dentist appointments. Doesn't matter. She somehow got one this afternoon. I it's private. Go. Yeah, it's private. Yeah. <laughs> off they go. So, uh, flashback attack. Not really much information in this flashback attack. Just sort of a few, a few flashes. And then he goes into Clemence's room, which is what we we talked about earlier and um yeah so this is the part where we start seeing huge uh hints that these these two have chemistry or something yes where yeah. she starts saying like you should set you should stay and stuff like this um yeah so what do you think about that so um i will say as well actually that i didn't mention this in the last scene but daniel inputs a command and the next thing we see happen is all of the guards who are watching Olek and jerome turn around 
simultaneously, which makes me think that it was Daniel's command that made them do that. Like he okay. he's issuing some kind of commands to to the simulation to to affect okay. behavior within it. Um, in terms of the Olak and uh, Clement stuff, as I said, it, it's <clears throat> there's definitely chemistry there. There's definitely a spark that I like. Um, it, I feel like there may be one scene removed from me really believing in the romance, but it's still they're both very or particularly Jerome um, strong characters and. I just I like Jerome's fire in this episode. He's got some he's got some of that baby face fire that I love. He's like he's like surface sting. That's what like he's just kind of like he's he's firing up the troops. Yeah, he's yeah, beating yeah. his chest. Um, you can't lose you know, when talk- you can't lose when you have that fire. You can't. No, exactly. You can't. He's hulking up. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so he talks about people taking power, uh, taking power who don't deserve it. Never ends well, which I think is really interesting. I think that's another one of those little mm-hmm. comments that definitely works within the context of Jerome's story, but probably is also saying something about the the wider uh, narrative that's going on here as well. Yeah. Um, yeah he's learned and- that lesson in his past, and therefore he's passing that on now. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, and Clemence, yes, like it's just like oh, I'm going to help. Which is like fair enough. Like that's a you know that's a ballsy move to be like okay, well you know everyone she knows that people are running around this ship with guns. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, like yeah. she's still just like I'm gonna help. It's fine. Mm-hmm. So yeah. fair, fair play to Clemence is all I'll say. Yeah, yeah. Good on her. Um, Franz and Sebastian are having a wee chat. Sebastian basically says to Franz, "Now this is a this is a little bit of a if we haven't had it already, like we've had a few instances of it, but like a little bit of a sort of a turn on Sebastian's part." Um, yeah. We must give them the child, he says. Basically, yeah, yeah. He 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 comes not as not as a not as an enemy, but as a friend. Like puts an arm around, <laughs> he puts the arm around Franz that yeah. Franz was crying out for Ike to do, and he says, <laughs> "Listen, you've just armed a lot of very angry people. <laughs> yeah. Now, some people will call that a fuck up, but not me. I'm here to tell you it's fine. We just need to give them a little something, something to keep them sweet. How about the boy? And yeah. like, and and Fran, Fran, like, and this is actually the moment where I was like, I think Franz is less of a morally like he's still certainly morally compromised, but I think he's less of a morally compromised character than Connor. I like, I wonder. I've kind of theorized yet last week about the whole Henry Singleton thing. Is Henry Singleton even a real person, or mm. does he just exist as a function within this simulation? I would believe that Connor is the same because Connor doesn't really. Uh, I keep calling him Connor. What is his actual name? Is it Sebastian? Yeah, interestingly, yeah, it is Sebastian. But interestingly, they said that Moore is not Irish, which has got an Irish name. Whereas this guy's clearly Irish, but he's got yeah. he's still oh, not Irish. Irish. Yeah, yeah. This, this guy's, guy's this guy's Conor McGregor all over. <laughs> yeah, it's Conor McGregor now. Yeah, like you know, he just packed on like a hundred pounds of muscle. Um, but uh, he he doesn't seem at all more. Uh, he doesn't seem at all conflicted by what he's proposing here. He's just like, this is what we have to do, so let's do it. Yeah. Um, and and that being giving up a child doesn't seem to bother him at all, which is. Uh, which is kind of terrifying. Yes. Uh, no. No. I would agree. Um, obviously, the idea. This is all. I like that you're may, you're able to get into these conversations, Conrad, because I was worried because you thought it was all simulation. The rest of this series was just going to be you going. I don't care about that. Let's let's just. Uh, I don't care about yeah. these interpersonal things. Let's get things. to the IT. Okay, <laughs> yeah, yeah. that's all I want to talk about. <laughs> that's what I was worried about. But so I'm glad. I'm glad we got these <laughs> got these little chats. Um, so all, they're checking all of the rooms for the boy. Uh, there's a few things yeah. that we can mention here. First of all, Angel um, knows Cresta's name whenever one of the one of the fellows takes his watch, and then yeah, obviously Ivan is not happy about that. Yeah, so I I 
Is that is that um, Chris's mum's name? Iben. Iben is the name, yeah. Iben, or okay, I don't know yeah, how to pronounce right. it. Actually, I never actually picked up. <laughs> but it's the the, sub, oh. the subtitles say I. It says Iben, so I'm pronouncing. Yeah, it I'll just I'll have a listen out for Maybe that because I, I I have a feeling. Yeah, I, I have a feeling that she's going to be a um a, a significant character going forward, and she's also awful. So I'll be, I feel like I'll talk about her a lot. But um, yeah. So some of Cressa's mother's people are trying to rob Angel Angel uh, who ask Cresta to intervene and his mother tells him that she wishes God had taken him instead of Ada which is just the worst thing that you can say to a child Um, so I mean you know she's not doing she's not scoring highly on the decent person uh, report cards in this episode but I think (laughs) what I really love about this and it does kind of speak to what you've just said about how like oh it's a simulation doesn't matter And and it kind of does because if these are humans who are having their consciousnesses projected into a simulation, mm-hmm. uh, and we joked about the Matrix earlier, but the Matrix kind of talks about this as well. Like, if it feels real, then you know what difference does it make? It's yeah, still yeah, yeah. these are still experiences and emotions that they're having. Um, and this relationship, I, I really like this relationship because it's very, it's terribly sad and quite complex as well. Because I think although Ankel can like seem caring, um, when, when he kind of talks to Cresta after his mother has like kind of abandoned him and said she wished that he died I get the I suspect that like Ramiro has said <clears throat> this is just like the latest in a long line of infatuations for him yeah yeah he's, yeah yeah I, when I first saw that actually I was I was really disappointed to be honest with you I like I I don't know I don't know like because that that scene there like I don't know whether there's some sort of obviously there's a power dynamic going on with Cresta and Angel and we've talked about it before um, but that scene there, the way Angel said, you know, Cresta, Cresta, you know, you know, he make sure he doesn't touch my watch or whatever. You tell him or whatever. Yeah. He didn't actually say it with any power in his voice. He actually said he said it quite. I don't know how you would even say it. He said it with a little bit of familiarity with uh, yeah. with Cresta in a way that didn't actually make me think that this this relationship between the two is just a big power game. It actually made me think that it might there might actually be some more genuine feelings here. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I, I do believe that Angel's, like, feelings for the people that he's romantically involved with are genuine. Like, I, I do think that Ramiro and him have had a relationship that's not just about a power dynamic, but, but about genuine affection. But I think, like, Angel's whole thing has been, you can't change the nature of a person. And I think that's the tragedy of his character and any character who gets involved with him is that this is who he is is someone who will invariably lose interest in someone that he's become he's been romantically infatuated in uh with in the past and move on to someone else and he will leave that person if they are if there has been a power dynamic in their relationship in the past like there is with Ramiro he's going to leave him guilty of murder and probably penniless and without in a country where where he doesn't speak the language and nowhere else to turn and I do think they are playing on that relationship with Ramiro to build up the mm-hmm. tension in this relationship with Cresta. I, I do... Cresta is certainly depicted as maybe being a bit more formidable than Ramiro, though, so maybe it's not going to go that way this time. But I mm. definitely think they're toying with that idea. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I know what you mean, yeah. Because you, you have a character who's, like, in the upper class going down and sort of literally across a cage... Uh, you know, being in this relationship with yeah, someone, yeah. it does ma- it does bring the whole question of power dynamics within it. But as you say, Cresta is formidable, uh, well, especially well, more formidable than Ramiro. Anyway, yeah, Ramiro I mean, is. I, I like Ramiro, but he's a bit of a wet blanket. Apart from his yeah. kicks, 
Although he did, you know, he did, he did go, uh, he did, he did actually go and you know get Ike uh, and everything like that. But I, but I think that that seems to be a new turn in his character. Yeah. He wasn't really like that before. But anyway, okay, so um, we've done that part. Mora questions the boy again. Now this part is w- one of my favorite, uh, <clears throat> yeah, uh, you know, subtitle moments. Yeah, and that's audio warbles. Yeah, there's uh, a warble. A warbling is happening in the audio. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. When I first heard that. Um, I honestly was because obviously we've had the shot at the end of episode two with the screens looking quite seventies or sixties or whatever. Yeah. Um. And the and the, the idea I just like I imagine someone like turning a dial to hear what people are saying. If you know what I mean. Yeah. 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 I could totally you, one of those like green screens with a little um line that's like yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Exactly. um I don't know what those are called I'm sure there's a technical name for them I don't know what it is unfortunately but audacity. um yeah audacity a visualizer <laughs> in Windows Media Player is what that is. <laughs> Um, yes, so the high-pitched tone returns once again. There is definitely a reason for that happening. I haven't figured out what it is yet, but it normally seems to concern the boy. Um, and the audio wobbles uh, are subtitled as he uses his own bug. Or actually, I guess it's Daniel's. I'm still trying to figure out if Daniel has his own bug and the boy has his own bug, or whether they're just swapping it between them. Um, yeah, how many how many beetles are there? That's interesting, actually. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, but uh, but he uses it to open the door, and Mora asks how he did it, which, let's be honest, is a valid question. Like that's yeah. a that's a reasonable thing to ask. Like, is this child David Blaine, uh, or <laughs> like is it something more magical than that? Well, uh, let's just say he does hold his breath a, f- a fair bit in this episode. He does, and, that's and true. Lo- yeah, and and be in a locked cupboard. So yeah, there's there's a there's a fair bit. Of David Blaine and this boy. Yeah. Uh, it makes me like him a bit less, actually, now that I've compared him to David Blaine. But, but you know, <laughs> we'll not hold that against him. Like, maybe yeah. maybe he'll, he'll, like, snap out of it and get a proper job. <laughs> More of a dynamo, you know. Um... <laughs> I do wonder. I do. I do wonder if uh, you know people listeners from outside the UK know who Dynamo is. Um, I don't okay. know if people in the UK know who Dynamo is anymore. That was like wasn't that like fifteen years ago? Dynamo was a thing. I only know about him because the YouTube algorithm gave me him predicting the uh, two thousand and whatever World Cup uh, recently. But um, okay, nice. <laughs> good on him. Um, so uh, discover. They discover that Ike is gone. Ramiro, yes. Ramiro does a great job of smacking these handcuffs off, almost as if he's done it before. Um, no, it's Jerome. Jerome who does it with the um, he gets the pin. Oh, I was pretty sure Ramiro did it. No, so like it's really funny because Ramiro like grabs a hammer and he's about to just start bashing them, which won't work. Oh, okay, okay, okay. And yeah, then and my then brain did some weird. Yeah. Jerome and Clemence come around the corner, and Ramiro like goes to like throw the hammer at them, which is just like that's not. <laughs> What are you doing, Romero? Like, how maybe have you killed because, the man? Yeah, so maybe it's because like Jerome told him how to do it, and then he handed the hammer or something. I was like, oh, Romero did it. He, he yeah. played a part. He played yeah. a part there. Romero's a key individual in this. All right, but yeah, J- uh, Jerome is the one who um, uh, who actually uh, like knows how to like knock the knock the little bar out of the out of the handcuffs, um, which does to me more or less confirm the theory that he was arrested I mean they do kind of say it in this by the end of this episode to be honest but he was arrested because of Lucian's uh, betrayal and was forced to escape prison and seek his revenge yeah. as a fugitive yeah 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 um 
Lucien also gets it, comes back to his room now. It's empty. Clemence isn't there anymore. Yeah, and gets gets a gun. Yeah, gets strapped. Uh, everyone's got guns, actually, as it turns out. Like he's got his letter and he's got his gun and he's ready ready for action. Yeah, we actually had a gun fired in this episode as well. We didn't say whenever Jerome was going lower decks, they shot a gun on him. And I, that's I true. Yeah. My, I don't know what my brain did. Right, you know, like if you're on a plane, you don't want to shoot a gun because just you know, you know, you know, just yeah. in case. It's pressurized. Uh, yeah, it's pressurized. Yeah, so uh, whenever I, whenever they shot in my head, I was like, "Don't shoot! You're on a boat." Yeah, I, you'll put a hole reason, in the hull. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. I was like, they're literally on the top of a massive boat. There's no chance of anything yeah, happening there. You just but, put a cork in it. You'd be all right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah put a cork in it. <laughs> uh, okay, so the boy leads Mora um, into a door. We find out that actually it's Oleg's lunch spot. The only thing to mention before we get there is that Cresta sees that. Um, he does. Yeah, the the gang is gathered together the avengers form here yeah um yeah. and we get a we get a brief moment of who is it? it's clemence ike jerome ramiro boy and mora who autocorrect has changed her name to Maurau in uh, in this part of my notes which is not helpful Maurau. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah so they make it to the lifeboats and like ike is fairly aggressive in his questioning of mora and the boy mm. kind of like advances on him as if to intimidate him, which is interesting. But he remains speechless, and then Cresta turns up, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, yeah, actually, I, I really love that moment where Cresta turns up because he's like, he's just like there. He comes down, he sees them all. They're all looking at him, going like, "What, what, what?" And then Franz and the rest of them come in behind him. And I love, I just absolutely love that moment because I really, really thought that, uh, that for a second when I was watching it, I really thought like, "Oh my God, has Cresta like?" just done like a, the quickest heel turn face turn in history yeah it was like um, a, a big show turn there. It only lasted <laughs> yeah. half of a show yeah i thought that was, that was what's what happening but yeah he came down um and then they, they have this sort of standoff the boy just like willingly gives himself to the people who want him yeah um yeah what do you think well, about that almost as if he kind of knows what's gonna happen and what is expected of him playing his role within this mm. entire thing um certainly by the end of this episode i was like okay so this is all kind of happening happening cyclically and has happened before in in some manner of speaking okay um last thing that happens is uh jerome gets uh goes for that actually goes for the ha- goes for the hammer gets shot has a flashback attack um now we've talked about to be honest <clears> with you, we've talked about most of this Lucian and Jerome stuff already. Is there anything in this last flashback attack well, that you wanted to mention? So, I mean, the one thing I would point out in it, and this I could be completely wrong, but Jerome gets shot, and the way he kind of passes out, closes his eyes, and Clemence kind of screams, I thought he'd been killed, to be honest. Like, I was yeah. definitely given the impression he died, and then he, he wakes up and he's only been shot in the arm. Now, I've never yeah. been shot in the arm, so I can't... I can't attest to this, but I don't think you would pass out from that. So I I didn't watch it back, but I wonder if he was actually shot in the arm initially or if he was shot somewhere else and then it kind of changed, like the simulation altered where he'd been shot because he still needed to be alive or something like that. Well, I'm not actually sure. <clears throat> yeah, like, yeah. I mean, he he went into this, into his flashback attack, so I'm not actually yeah. sure how, how much that does, you know what I mean? Yeah, I, I I mean it could be there could be all sorts of all, all sorts of fuckery going on here to be honest, um, but uh, but yeah I mean the end result is that he um, he he you know wakes up 
having like relived this uh, moment where Lucian turned on him, uh, turned him in as a deserter and sent him to prison, mm-hmm. um, and says, "Oh, you can sell the Legion of Honor medal in prison." And we know he didn't do that, which yeah, tells yeah. us something of the hatred he holds for Lucian, because it's like, well, he made his life actively harder in prison yep. just so he could have the moment of giving Lucian back the medal and fucking him over, which is kind of cool. I like that. Yeah, no, I really like that as well. I love the idea of him walking around prison wearing the medal, just like yeah, yeah dog. exactly. Yeah, someone sees him. Yeah, that's, that's stolen valor. Yeah, exactly. Um, Cresta chooses to follow his mum again, um, mm. sort of doubling down here after Tova pleads with him not to. Um, we've talked about a lot about Cresta's, uh, you know, turn there. Um, yeah. Anything in particular? Oh, this is this where you wanted to unload on the uh, on the Tova yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. So. Yeah. I oh, where is it here? I've, I know I wrote it down in my notes. Okay, oh yeah. Okay, so Tova chastises Cresta for siding with the insane family, which is fair. That's a fair thing, I think, to, for her to say. Cresta responds that she has to stop blaming them for what happened to her. Now, mm-hmm. I think that's an interesting way to frame Ada's death, which is what I assumed at first they were talking about. Like, what happened to her? is that Ada died. Which makes me think, mm-hmm. okay, no, they're talking about something else here. And I think that what they might be implying here is that Ada was Tova's child, not her mother's. Because they were that, that was her younger sister, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, and and I wonder whether either the, the girl she's carrying at the moment, or the, sorry, the child she's carrying at the moment, or Ada was the result of maybe some traumatic... Uh, I don't want to say romantic relationship, but some some kind of sexual, like traumatic sexual uh, interaction, like or some abuse, maybe could even be her father. That was the, one of the things I was thinking about. Like, is is like the this kind of like close knit religious nut job community? You do find lots of instances of incest, of like sexual abuse in, within families. So I, I do wonder whether maybe that's what's happening here with Tova. Um, and that was, mm. yeah, that was one of the theories I wrote down. There's not really any evidence for that, but it just struck me as weird the way Cresta's like, stop blaming everyone for what happened to you specifically. Um, right, I- okay. So out of curiosity, read the actual theory you've written down. Because okay. I, I think, I think, I'll tell you what, I sh- what you should write down. Okay, let's just let's, 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 let's say this here. What you should write <laughs> okay. down is... Tova's pregnancy is a, is a result of abuse. Okay. What did you write? So that's not what I wrote. <laughs> <laughs> I'll say that much for now, for, for free. Um, first theory is Ada was Tova's daughter, not her mother's. Her mother being. Oh yeah. Okay. I forgot about the Ada part. Yeah. Um, and and the second theory uh, was where's it gone? Um, oh, in fact, actually, this, I didn't even write that in the theory matrix, so there's no theory in there. <laughs> like, about, well, there you about go. This. I've just, I've just given you a theory because that's basically what you were saying. You I know thought I, mean? I could, um, I must have. You know what? I, I like these Norwegians might be on something now because I know I wrote something down there, but I must have done it and either accidentally deleted it or not saved it because it's there. <laughs> there it is, everyone. There it is, everyone. The moment I get to correct Conrad in episode four. So uh, you've been saying Norwegians in Danish, so I've been letting it go. It's it's there's no there's no there's no Norwegians. It's just Danish people. Are they uh, Norwegian? I could have sworn it says in Norwegian in in this show. 
No, well, maybe there's one Norwegian or something, but like, no, no, it's a Danish family. So because you've saying big saying Norwegians and Danish, I've just been like letting it go. Oh but now God. you've just said Norwegians, I've got to step in. I've got I've got quite a lot of friends who are both Norwegian and Swedish, and they will absolutely love to make fun of me for mixing up that because <laughs> that is. I apologise to anyone anyone from Scandinavia or Northern Europe for any offence caused because I'm just like these <laughs> fucking Norwegians. <laughs> The religious types. Um, yeah. <laughs> no, they are Danish. They are Danish. Um, we He's call like them... maybe the beard man, not the dad, but the other beard man who's with oh, them. The, the ginger beard man. Yeah, is he maybe he looks, Norwegian? He looks, no, he looks Norwegian. Yeah, maybe he's Norwegian, and I've just been like, well, they all look like that, don't they? Like, I'm just like... <laughs> yeah, you've just like, you tarred a whole bloody part <laughs> yeah. of the world with the same brush. I still um, remember the Vikings. Yeah, what I love about it is only the true fans who listen to an hour into our podcast get to hear me correcting you, Conrad. Yeah, that's, exactly. That's a that's treat. Their, that's, that's their treat. You that's know their little, little prize. Everyone who turns off because you were getting things wrong, they don't get to hear the eventual <laughs> yeah. thing. You have to put up with it, otherwise you don't get it. Uh, okay, so um, let's say here, that's the crash of stuff. Uh, Jerome rescues... Uh, <laughs> oh, this is, the, this is the part, right? Mm. So Jerome rescues them all. And, and basically start saying, we've got to do something about this. And this yeah. is the part where literally the opposite side now is now in a situation where I start hearing, do you hear the people <laughs> yeah. saying? Like, There's literally- just like a tree like waving in the background behind <laughs> yeah. Jerome as he, as he like beats the shit out of a guard with a hammer and then like yeah, frees yeah, the yeah. prisoners and like, we've got to do something. It's like, oh, I believe in you, Jerome. Yeah, so they they've basically said like we can't we can't let them do this we we can't let them get the get the boy we can't let them do this and they sort of they're just like yeah yeah you know what you're right we yeah. need to do something about it and, and everyone understands got... even though no one speaks the same language as him as, apart from Clemence they're all like I get I get the gist I understand yeah there's there is always a, there's a few moments in this show where they just say to, they just go you know what there's a lot of language going on right now but let's just say the emotion gets across yeah. there's a few moments <laughs> that they do that and I think to be honest with you it usually they usually pick the right moments for it yeah definitely. Um, so um the oh yeah 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 so uh, ivan says the devil wears many disguises uh he must go overboard and like basically wants to throw the boy overboard there's a massive fight to, yes. to stop this Mora try, tries to step in but she is unable to stop like while this is all going on ivan grabs the boy and through the, through the chaos, drags him to the side and throws him off the edge. Yeah, and it's just like this incredibly tense um, slow motion shot of Mora rushing to try and get to him as like rain sheets down across everyone. It's brilliantly, brilliantly directed and shot. Um, and yeah, the boy just kind of lets it happen again, almost as mm, if he yeah. kind of expected it to happen. Um, and then Daniel emerges and appears to sort of dra- try to drag Mora to safety. Um, which is an interesting stance, I, I find, because you know he's re- he's kind of directly responsible for all of this, <laughs> like based on what yeah. we see, um, which kind of reaffirms my belief that he's doing this, but he's not happy about it. He has to do this for you know whatever whatever he's trying to set up within the simulation or whatever he's trying to fix. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Okay, so then the yeah, Ike, as you say, calls for a treat, um, and then also like Daniel drags Mora, and then also Lucian drags Clemence away from Jerome. He's yeah. like, "What the hell are you doing here?" And drags Clemence away. We get Cresta like sitting on the stairs praying forgiveness for forgiveness. It seems I don't yeah. know what he's doing, but he does seem to be praying. Uh, lots of little little shots of you know, not much to be said about them. But then 
next uh, scene is them all regrouping in the dining room. So more, <laughs> more yeah, yeah, more. So Mora's side of of the argument or the big fight uh, is in the dining room. So Mora can't believe they killed the boy. Um, he didn't, and she's she's she. What she's like, you know, being torn up by is that he didn't even fight it. He just accepted it was going to happen. Yeah. Um, Daniel comforts her. Now I want to start stop here just for a moment before we continue. Uh, they do share a moment there, Daniel they do. and Mora. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm going to call it a. It's not fraternal. I don't know what you call that. The relationship between a brother and a sister. A, a moment uh, of, of like sibling affection. I was going to say sibternal. Sibternal. Yeah. It's, it's actually yeah. Like oh, okay. <laughs> I, that's, how, that's how little I know about that word. That I was going to believe that was real. Sibternal. <laughs> there it is. Um, no, no, I have no but, idea. But I'm, I, I. We know she has a brother. I still just think Daniel's her brother. I don't. I've got no evidence for that, but I feel like there's definitely a moment between them. But it doesn't feel romantic to me. But it does feel like genuine affection, which is why I think, oh, maybe they're brother and sister, and they just don't remember each other, or Mora doesn't remember him. Um, so that's great. And it, it, Daniel remains this absolute enigma of a character because, as I say, he caused this entire thing, and yet he seems genuinely remorseful for the damage he he has caused. Yet he must have known it would happen because he kept fucking killing people he killed he's killed like 40 people <laughs> yeah 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 yeah. he's definitely up there with the numbers like uh, yeah <laughs> you know, he's got the best numbers <laughs> ivan's only killed one exactly uh, but yeah terrible <laughs> yeah so ike uh Those demands rookie <laughs> <laughs> yeah so ike demands why mora is on the passenger list of the prometheus yes and just just before she's able to answer she's saved by the bell there's knocking within a little cupboard uh there Who is then a bro- a bright light comes through the cracks. Mm. Open the door. Out comes the boy. Addy pops. Addy pops. <laughs> Everyone is in complete shock, except for Daniel. Yeah. Um, and then he walks up to Mora, gives her a hug. Blue oyster cult. Yeah. Don't fear. Don't fear the reaper, please. Yeah. So, oh, this is such a good ending to an episode. Like the, the end so, of these episodes. Oh, the end of these episodes are top quality. An absolute banger of a song. And yeah, I just yeah. so like yeah. Mora genuinely seems confused about Ike confronting confronting her about the passenger list. I still think I, I I don't think she was ever on the Prometheus. I've said before. I think they're different instances of the same class. There was a Mora on that ship uh, who looks and sounds and behaves exactly like this Mora, but they they they're completely different versions of the same person. Um, so I think that is the truth there. Um, I've got no idea what's happening with the glow being emitted from the cabinet in the bar and the boy coming back, except that. Yeah. It's a similar glow, I guess, to what we saw on the uh, on the uh, the Prometheus at the end of the last episode. So maybe it's a similar kind of technology. But yeah, her him coming back and hugging her and fucking don't fear the Reaper playing is just yeah. perfect. It's just a perfect ending. Um, I will say as well, like it only really struck me in this episode, and this is this is clear, this is a clear sign that I'm not paying enough attention. Obviously, that. <laughs> I don't understand why we're using like 70s and 80s rock for a period movie set in a period series set in 1899 even though I don't really believe it's set in 1899 anymore like I hadn't really thought about that I was just like oh that's cool they're playing all these songs from this era (laughs) and then this episode I was like why are they playing Don't Fear the Reaper for something set in 1899 like this song wouldn't be written for like another 100 years or not well more like 65 years but like it was I mean I love it but it's it's hinting at something. It's definitely hinting at something that, that they haven't fully explained yet. 
definitely is hinting, hinting at something. I do remember one of my first videos I made post-release, Vic Disco, longtime listener, put in uh, the comments saying that he loved the show, but one thing that he thought that the it was a little bit of a sort of chalk and cheese uh, in terms of the the, the, the songs uh, and, and in, in the show, he think they didn't really fit as well as maybe the dark montage songs, okay. songs did. But I, I have to say, like I, I, I see credibility in that in that idea, but at the same time, I actually really did like them, and and I think yeah, that I love the, tra- the, tra- the, tr- the transition from the score to those songs for me wasn't too jarring. I think I, not at all actually. I think I think the ends the ends of the episodes ending with the songs really does really you kind know, of gets me out of the seat you know what i mean yeah like hypes you up that's uh, that's how i feel like they might mm-hmm. i kind of see i i see what they're saying and that it's like maybe tonally or like thematically they don't work quite as well even though i think the messages of the songs are definitely or the titles of the songs are trying to communicate something but in terms mm-hmm. of like a moment that really like crystallizes your enjoyment of an episode it's like fuck i can't wait to watch the next one yeah, um yeah, yeah. that this was definitely that for me <laughs> So here we go. There's a few for this one, not as many as the last one. Um, so the Norwegians aren't going to get the boy. Uh, he's going to disappear in the shaft. So that was proposed this episode and concluded in this episode. Bit of a gimme. Well, that's that's definitely no, no. It's not a gimme at all. That's you've got that wrong. Uh, why? Because there's no there's no. Oh, I suppose they, what I mean they did. Oh, all right, okay. Here we go. Here we go. <laughs> Change it to the Danish. Uh, They're ribbing me, and I'll give it to you. <laughs> Danish. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh god. I mean, like, if this was a professional sport, you would not be getting the point. Let's be honest. I'd be laughed out of the sport if I. Imagine <laughs> <laughs> that. Um, I think Mr. McGregor is very much aware of what this ship is and what is what is happening aboard it. Um, meaning the simulation level stuff. Um, okay. Daniel inputs a command to the Kerberos, and the next thing that happens. Oh, wait, hold on. That's like... Oh, yeah. Next thing that happens is all the guards watching Oleg and Jerome turn around. I think he made them do that. Um, Jerome was arrested as a result of Lucian's betrayal and was forced to escape and is now a fugitive. So that was kind of concluded in this episode as well. Um, mm-hmm. There's still a little bit of, um, I guess, like a- guessing there about him being a fugitive. But um, I mean, yeah. Ada was Tova's mother, not... Uh, oh, sorry. Ada was Tova's daughter. We're not getting into that again. Oh no! <laughs> oh no! Not going down that road again. Uh, <laughs> Ada was Tova's daughter, not her mother's. Um, and Tova's current child is the result of abuse. Um, so th- that's okay. what we've got so far. A light-hearted batch of theories. Yeah, 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 yeah. Th- yeah. This this one got you thinking in quite dark ways. Actually, this <laughs> yeah, episode. Did, yeah. We're halfway through. Um, I. Halfway through, again, we don't want to talk about the spoils of Dark, but halfway through Dark, there was definitely a moment. It was episode five in season one, actually, because mm. uh, there was ten in, ten in the first season. Uh, there was a big reveal. Now, in this episode, we didn't really get a big reveal. No, we got a huge, we got a huge moment though. We got a big moment of of the of the of the boy coming back. So I'm really looking forward to seeing what you think about everything else going forward. Um, I suppose uh, the only thing left to do is to get your post thoughts. No, what the dub this week, guys? Sorry. <laughs> Hello, we're back. Uh, I've just finished watching episode four, The Fight, um, and wow, what an episode. That was really, really good. Uh, That Don't Fear the Reaper ending was so kick-ass. I I love that song, and the way that it kind of wraps up the episode is fantastic. Uh, The Boy is back. Jerome is a goddamn 
war hero or fight hero, I guess. Uh, I love the crew of cool people that have been assembled um, that are kind of on the other side of this conflict to the mutineers. Um, Tove's mo- mother is has beca- kind of become antagonist uh, number one in the show. She's a monster and I can't wait to see more of them. Uh, and Daniel is a mystery that I still can't seem to figure out at all. So yeah, I can't wait to see what's coming next. Uh, we got lots of Jerome and Alec in this uh, in this episode. Long may it continue. I thought we'd lost Jerome for a bit there, but but we didn't in the end, thank God. Um, but yeah, I can't wait to see what's coming next. I think at some point they're going to have to explain what all this like 60s, 70s and 80s music that they're playing is about in relation to the setting of the show. Uh, but uh, until then, I, I can't wait to just see it delivered as maybe a thing that the creators thought was cool and sounded good. But uh, but yeah, so I can't wait to see the next one and I will see you all next week. Well, there you go, guys. That's episode four of 1899 season one done. Conrad, overall, did you like it? Oh, I loved it. This, this was probably my second favourite episode after the first one. I'm going to say I love that ending. Um, it really, really got me hyped for the next episode. I, I love where this show is going. As you said before, there's no no massive reveal in this episode, but I feel like we're we're no more than one episode removed from there being something really, really earth-shattering that's going to come out about this, I think. Awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't wait. So pop your, pop your questions in the uh, comments, guys. If I see a really cool question, I'll maybe ask Conrad about it. Um, just, you know, check out our other stuff on the channel as well. Conrad's got a really cool video, which I'm not going to spoil, coming out soon. Um, so if you're <laughs> yeah. new to our channel and you've been listening to Conrad's crazy theories, you've never really seen Conrad before, well, you're going to see a great Conrad video coming out soon. <laughs> yeah. I'm also going to be putting out a video at some point in the next couple of days, just a little, very short, five, 10 minute update of the whole plagiarism thing. There has actually been what I would call a potential conclusion to that. So we'll let you know about that as Ooh. well. Apart from that, thanks very, much for, thanks very much for watching. And we'll see you next time. Goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs>